You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul continues to unpack the story of the new seed given to replace Abel in spite of his murderous brother Cain, pointing to the Hebrew, where an ish posits an ish, Father Paul notes the actualization of God's blessing in Genesis chapter 1. The human being produces another human being and another remaining alive throughout time and history. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. No one does not hear Genesis 3.15 referring to the seed of the woman and the seed of the snake or the serpent fighting one another as referring to Christ. That is not so. The seed... The prophecy of the seed of Genesis 3.15 is realized in Genesis 4.25. Should we decide to listen to scripture and not to our concocted theology thereafter? Let me take an aside here because I want really to get this point across. That the calamity, if not catastrophe, of mainly Alexandrian theology, but it started already earlier. Any theology is Platonic, starting with Justin the philosopher, where suddenly we speak about genithenta, upithenta, Jesus Christ, the Nicene crude, born, not created or made. But the trouble with that, as I said, and I shall repeat because we're going to encounter this verb yalad another time, God is masculine in the Bible. He is a father. And thus, when he gives birth at the end of Isaiah, it is still the fifth verbal form. He makes someone else give birth. So if you want to listen to scripture, all this thing about the begottenness of Christ in eternity and so on, is not only silly, but it doesn't make sense. And ultimately, it is sacrilegious because it is anti-scriptural. Now, I explained that in Greek, there is no differentiation. The male and the female, when they give birth or make to give birth, it is the same verb as genau. And that's the weakness of the Septuagint in comparison with the original. So this Zera, Aher, is the realization of the promise in Genesis 3.15. And it is interesting because you have a promise of a seed that will destroy the serpent. And then we don't hear about this seed at all until it is realized in Shet, whose 
name is shed. Notice the name. And thus, it prepares us for the genealogy of Adam and beyond it, that of Noah with his three sons and beyond that, the concentration on one of the three sons, which is Shem, which precisely has the name of God. And I mentioned in passing before, but we'll come back to that, that there is a play in contradiction between Shem, which is the blessing, and then Ham, which is the ire, the wrath. One has to choose between these two ways. And this new seed is Tahat Hebel, instead of Hebel, who not only did not have a seed, but technically he was not a seed, just he appears and disappears. So in spite of the will of Cain that represents the tiller of the ground, who built a city, who established a genealogy up to the seventh generation, and yet disappears as Hebel disappeared. This reminds me of the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, where we hear that Lazarus died and the rich man also died. It's very powerful. They are gone. But Hebel is gone forever, whereas Seth will die, obviously. We shall hear this in chapter 5. However, he is the beginning of the new seed, meaning that Adam in chapter 5 proceeds through Seth. Seth is the seed. Adam is never a seed. He was formed out of the ground. And this seed was posited by God himself. And notice here that we have Elohim on its own. Okay. In chapter 2, 3, we had the Lord God and we have a split and it's mainly the Lord throughout chapter 4 and out of the blue sky appears again Elohim. And I made the differentiation in my book that Elohim, if you like, is the majestic, total, godly aspect of the scriptural God. He is Elohim. And the verse end, just to confirm to my hearers that I'm not bringing Cain because it's part of the previous story. It is in this verse. Let's hear this verse again, which is, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another seed instead of Abel, for Cain slew him. I mean, I challenge anyone to say with the same number of words the total story from before and connecting it to the following. It's practically impossible except for the genius of the scriptural author. It is phenomenal. And yet we have not finished. Verse 26 has its own 
weight. It continues, but it is not just the tail end of the story. It has a lot of important words in it. And to Seth, also, it's another also. The first one was again, oh, in verse 25. Here, gam means also. Weleshet, gam, who, meaning also to Shef, yulad ben, very important. Notice that the woman, yalada, she gave birth. Here, the author remembers how he disassembled three persons in the genealogy of Cain and their names disappeared completely from the Bible. Actually, there is a play on the meaning of the original name that they are bound to disappear because they did something that is not allowed in the scriptural Hebrew, in the Semitic languages, where we are told that they gave birth, Yalad. That is impossible, not good. It's just the figment of their imagination as macho men, as I shall discuss in more detail at the beginning of chapter 6. So here we have a turn. Okay. What tailed, and she gave birth. Here to Sheth, also he, notice, also he. The author is connecting Sheth with Adam and his wife, or more specifically the wife, but he turns upside down the picture by saying that Yulad Ben was born Ben, a son. Very important, very impressive. And this is the same verb that is going to be used later in chapter 6, I'll talk about that. That two, the daughters of them, were born. Okay, were born. It's in the passive. Ben, a son. The first one, she bore a son. Here to Seth was born a son. And he called his name. Notice the repetition. Very important that the author wanted to underscore what I said earlier about what tikra et shemu. And she called his name here. Also, Sheth calls the son that was gifted to him because he did not bear him. The child was born unto him. But he gives his name, and his name is Enosh. What is impressive in that is that Enosh is another form of Ish. The plural of Ish in Hebrew is Anashim. We can hear the N sound appearing. So whether you would say one is Hebrew, the other Aramaic, all this is not important. Both are the same. Uh, 
and they are used in parallel throughout the Bible, Ish and Enosh. But if you like, one is Hebrew, the other Aramaic, I have no problem with that. But then it is important to link the two as coming from the same root because the text sounds like this, that the Ish Adam, remember, Adam in verse 25, it's the individual Adam who has an Isha, a wife. So Adam is presented here as an Ish that posits Seth to appoint another Ish. We have the actualization of the blessing of God in chapter 1, namely that the human being produces another human being that produces another human being that produces another human being. That is how one remains alive throughout time and history, as we shall hear later in Psalm 45, where even the king who in that psalm is addressed as Elohim needs a wife who would beget for him children, because this is how the name of that king will remain forever. So let's forget once more about Alexandrian theology and the individual and the theosis and the eternity of the individual. All this is the anti-scriptural stand that scripture was written to dismantle. But we human beings are human beings. We manipulate the word of God to speak about ourselves again. So let's hear it. We have an Ish that posits another Ish or Enosh, who in turn will posit another Ish and so on and so forth. And this, by the way, will appear in detail in chapter 5. Notice, number 2 and 3 in chapter 5 are precisely Seth and Enosh that appear here. No more Cain. And then after that, we have one produces a son. Notice, the firstborn is enough. That's how you keep yourself. And then he also gave birth to other sons and daughters. I'm not saying they are not important as individuals, but they are non-functional from the perspective of the story expressing the will of God. So long as you have one child, more specifically male, you are continuing the story. The destruction of this apparent machoism will take place in chapter six. So I'm asking my hearers really to reread my book in the meantime and just continue listening to scripture. They should not at the end of each podcast think that they can already argue my argument and so on. We have to listen to the rest of the story. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.